0: Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini.
1: This is the interview edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, and we have interviews galore for this week. So many people that I had the privilege of speaking with this week coming out of UFC 273, an incredible card and Heading into UFC Fight Night, Luque versus Muhammad. Very much looking forward to that card. So let's hear who's on the menu for this week. We'll start off with Gilbert Burns, of course. The fight of the year thus far against Hamza Shemaev. And he was gracious enough to join me just days after the fight. He's now actually going to head out to Las Vegas to support Vicente Luque, one of his best friends, who's going to be in the main event of this weekend's card. Featuring Bilal Muhammad, who joins us this week. As well as Luque himself, the two main event combatants. For this weekend's UFC Fight Night card. And on top of that, we have some other fighters that will be taking part in this weekend's card. You got Beast Boy himself, Chris Barnett. I could talk to that guy for hours. He's just a—he's uh, just such a riot. So much fun to speak with him. TJ Laramie back in action after about a year and a half away. Uh, just had a couple unfortunate things happen to him in preparation for upcoming bouts that uh, he unfortunately had to either pull out of or have his opponent pull out of. And now he's back in action against Pat Sabatini this weekend. And then we also spoke to a fighter that has a bout coming up in two weeks' time. That's Tanner Bozer, the heavyweight, in the co-main event against Alexander Romanov. And someone else who fought this past weekend and really made uh, a very positive, positive impact on this past weekend's card. That was Mike Malott, the Canadian who, after the fight, dedicated it to his uh, boxing coach, Joey Rodriguez, and his family. Uh, whose daughter, unfortunately, has stage three lymphoma, and they have a, a real battle ahead of them. He talked about their GoFundMe fundraiser that doubled from 52000 to now more than, I believe, $110,000 uh, since he's made his speech. So love having Mike Mallott shine such a positive light on the Canadian ambassadors of the sport and to help out his brother in arms from Team Alpha Male, his boxing coach Joey Rodriguez. So we were joined by Mike Malott as well. Let's get to it. We'll start off with our interview with Dorino. Gilbert Burns. It's the fight of the year thus far in 2022, and one half of that contest is Dorino Gilbert Burns. A fantastic fight. Now I'm wondering, have you had the chance to go back and watch it, and if so, what's your takeaway?
2: Uh, I watch a couple fights. I watch a couple times already. Uh... I think I lost the first round. I won the second round. It was pretty even going to the last round. He hit me hard one time. I almost went down. And I remember when that happened. I would, where I'm, and then I, I kind of went out and got back into the fight. But but then I, I tried to throw bombs, you know, and then I hurt him a couple of times too. But I think it was very close going to the to the end. And uh, yeah it's hard right now, you know, from a battle like that, everyone, we both, you know, like, put everybody in there, it's hard to, to for sure, I, I think that I did the best job, but I don't want to take nothing away from Hamzai, and uh, the judges are doing, sometimes they're doing a good job, sometimes not, but it's very hard to, I'm not a judge, you no. Know, I'm a fighter, so I try to put everything in there and, and see, but I hit that guy pretty hard multiple times. You know, I think I I land the bigger shots. I don't know how how crazy. I saw a couple of things they didn't score my my my, <laughs> my knockdowns. Guys with two hands on the floor. What is that? If they don't count a knockdown, call a push up because you know those guys went down. But it is what it is. I think I think uh, I prove a lot of people that the guy is is normal. You know, he's very tough for sure, but. I, I, I proved that he's another tough guy, but nothing crazy, no?
1: Yeah, you know, I just watched the fight back, and I was surprised they didn't score that a knockdown as well in the second round. I mean, like you said, <laughs> if that's not a knockdown, I'm not sure what is.
2: i don't, I'm not sure what is too. And Then I saw a picture from, from Kamaru, and he both guys, two hands on the floor, but no knockdown score, but... Uh, it is what it is, you know, I'm not gonna be they're not, not going to change, you know, that doesn't change the result of the fights. they lost both of the, these fights, but I heard these guys pretty bad, so I'm, I'm okay about it.
1: I mean, they gave you the second round, regardless of whether or not it scored a knockdown, so, you know, at the end of the day, they did the, the right thing there. Now, the, the big question I have for you about this particular fight is, I, I imagine when you're going into a fight with Usman, someone you know so well, that you've trained with so often, that I'm sure you've had over for dinner. It must be a very different feeling than when you're going into a fight against somebody where there's such such little information available about, and everybody's talking about this guy like he's this mythical creature, like he's going to be able to beat anybody in one round. So what what's your mindset like going into a fight like that, where you just have so little information about what this guy brings to the table?
2: I was ready to a war, you know, I was ready to a war with this guy, and uh, I prepared myself to a war in... Uh i was throwing bombs brother i saw i i to be honest the way i'm going to evaluate my my i have my psychologist uh, tomorrow and tomorrow we're going to do a a very deep evaluation in the fight but i like my cardio you know the way i see i was throwing only bombs like and you saw these guys sometimes they hurt a guy and they throw a lot of punches they get tired they got blow up i was throwing bombs (laughs) 15 minutes brother and I like I like my conditioning, but it's hard when you face a guy that you don't have a lot of information. But I like to be that guy to make the blueprint, you know. So I did that with Stephen Munter Boy, I did that with a with a, with this guy right now. I did that with a couple guys, so I don't mind to be that guy. For sure, it's different from the Kamaro fight, but. I knew that, you know. I knew it wasn't a lot of information over there, but I I just, I just go prepare for a war, and and there was a war, so I like it, you know.
1: How nervous are you walking into the arena that night? Say that again. How nervous are you walking into the arena that night, though? Because this is a fight against somebody where you just don't know it that much about them.
2: I'm always nervous. I'm always super nervous going to a fight, like very, very nervous it gets to a point that I don't want to be there, you know, like shit. But, on uh, the same time, I, I make a peace with, with that feeling, you know, I was there, and I saw Jameen Sterling was there too. Ian Gary was just there, he lefty, and uh, whenever, I, and I do all that, I do so many visualizations before the fight, and I put myself in that position, you know, on the on the brief fight, that's when I feel more nervous, and uh, I, I don't like it, you know. I hate it to be in there sometimes, and and I ask that question that why I'm doing that shit, you know. But it, it kind of gets to a point that makes me numb with that feeling. I make, I almost, I, I, the way I, I, I see, I accept that feeling to go to a war, you know. Whatever it takes, I don't care. I might get hurt. I might get knocked out, but I'm gonna. The only thing that I want is to go over there and perform my best, and they'll give everything I have, and uh, and I'm okay with that feeling, but I was very, very nervous going to the fight, whenever I start walking, when my music is in, and I start walking, it's, it's the best part, you know, and now I know I'm fighting, now I don't need to wait no more, now I'm going to a fight, but the waiting, a lot of butterflies, a lot of things, so I'm, uh, I don't think i are never going to get used, I saw it, Cowboy Cerrone, the guys that was fighting everyone, everybody, anytime. And I saw that guy put pretty nervous before the fight, You and uh, I think it's normal, you know. Whenever you want to win, whenever you do something very big, like a very big fight, very risky fight, in front of a big audience, you're gonna, you should be nervous, you know, if you're doing a a task or a job or a mission or something that requires a lot of focus, a lot of attention, a lot of work, for sure. You should be nervous. and not. I'm okay with, with with that feeling, but being completely honest with you, I was very nervous.
1: More than in uh, previous fights? If you were to compare it to your earlier fights, is that the way you feel every fight or was it more this time around?
2: I feel that every fight. The fights, to be honest, Two fights I didn't feel that nervous. Only two fights, and I lost both because I was a little bit overconfident. It was the Dan Hooker fight? I was coming from two knockouts. I I thought I was just walk over Dan Hooker, and I in it as as crazy sounds. I was very overconfident I guess Camaro was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt Kamara so easily. I thought I'm gonna hurt this guy, and they're gonna take me down. I'm gonna, Get a submission, I was a little bit overconfident. But but that was the only two. But Damian Maya was super nervous. Jesus. I remember that was one up there. And then Tyrone Woodley chew and Stephen Waterboy I think I think every fight was passing. I think the Damian Maya was over Tyrone Woodley. Kamar was over, you know, kinda of, Anderson made him a little bit overconfident. Steven Thompson was more nervous than than Damian than, than Maia. Now Hamza was more nervous than Steven Thompson. And I think he's he just going to keep going like
1: that. Now that you've been in there for 15 minutes with Hamza, what about his game surprised you? What do you think that he did better than you expected? And what do you think that maybe he can improve upon that uh, you you might have exploited during that fight?
2: Uh, I think... He's very tough. He has a big heart that, uh, that I thought I'm going to bring him to that place and then he's not going to like it. And I saw his face a couple times. He didn't like it, but he fought, bro. He kept coming. Uh, yesterday, I was at Stanford, and uh, one of the guys speak. He's from Sweden, too, so he speaks. And then he said, bro, the coach was yelling at me, like, don't, bro. No wrestling. No wrestling with this guy. No more wrestling. No more takedowns. And uh, it's crazy, right? You see a high-level wrestler don't want to take me down, and that was crazy. But I think he got, like, good pops on his hands. Hands are heavy, both hands. Uh, heavy kicks. Uh, little resilience, guy was stuff. But I was expecting... More than that, I was expecting that monster that people talk about you know, that guy that crazy, this and that. But nothing surprising me, to be honest. Uh, I'm a little, I watched the fight, I'm very critical of myself. I don't want to take nothing away from him I think he did a great job, but I still, I still mad with the little things that I trained so much and didn't do. I did a lot of head movement and I didn't put on the fight. I did a lot of calf kicks, body kicks when he switched stance and didn't throw it. I think I should kick more, I think I should do a little bit more head movement, a little bit more forward pressure. But it's easier to say now, you know, but I should be I trained that those things. Henry told me all those things before the fight. And uh, I don't think I execute the way I should.
1: I spoke to you last <laughs> February before your fight with Kamaru. And you talked about Alex Oliveira, who unfortunately was not renewed by the UFC this past week and is a free agent now, but we talked about how you were the freight train at that point in time. I believe you were 6 or 7-0, and zero. first round finishes except for one fight. You were where out was heading into your fight with him. Do you feel like when he looks back on his career, he's going to feel the same way about you as you do that fight against Alex Oliveira?
2: I think so. I think he learned so much. I think he's still very young. Very very young. I think he's a huge prospect, and I think I think uh, it's two ways. When you go to a war like like that, it's two ways. Or you get out better, like Adesanya. Like I can't I can't name a couple guys that went to a war and got better. But or or can go wrong. You know, it can go a different way. You can start getting hurt a lot. You know, because he didn't get hit at all. You saw the stats. One, He won or one or two significant strikes in four fights, now 119. And, uh, yeah, I, I believe he's going to get better. He's going to improve so much, and he's going to be thankful for this war like I am. For sure, I want to get the win, and I believe we're not done, you know. I asked. When they offered me this fight, I asked for five rounds, and they, they sent me a contract, and then I fought, I fought without the. Fuck out I don't want these three rounds, I want five rounds. Oh, but they have two two title fights. I don't care, make another one. Oh, I want five rounds. And we kind of back and forth a lot with the UFC and ended up being three rounds. And uh and the fight was crazy entertaining. I just think if it was five rounds, it would be way more entertaining. But the way I see two, Aaron, to be honest with you, I think we're not done. I, I do believe we're not done for sure. He move forward in ranks and they wanna make that a Kobe fight. But the way I see I'm 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 not afraid to fight anyone in this division. I think they're just that just proof. Time and time again, proof. We've been proving Sean noticing Aspen fight middleweight fighting these guys. Uh I just want one thing back from Hamza. I want the courtesy, you know. I was number two I fall number eleven. I want a rematch with Hamza. Now that he's moving forward we'll see, you know, if he beats Kobe, he's gonna fight tomorrow. You know, and uh I just I just want my rematch in the next three fights, you know, next his next three fights I want my rematch and uh, I believe we're not done, you know. I believe we we got to go more rounds and one guy needs to get a finish. It's he just, he just that thing that a couple fights that you he should be five rounds. You know, those fights that may, it should be more rounds in there. And then uh, I think we kind of miss, miss out a little bit on this fight. Now, one guy...
1: Well, you're not going to fight, in all likelihood, is Vicente Luque, who's fighting Bilal Mohamed this weekend. We talked last week about what the winner of your fight with Khamzat or the winner of his fight will have to do in order to get a championship uh, opportunity against Kamaru Usman. Now they're talking about Khamzat against Colby Covington. What do you think Vicente has to do to be next in line to fight for the title?
2: I think he needs to get a finish. I think uh, he got (laughs) a...
1: That guy just got to fight the way he fights, you know. He
2: All his fights are entertaining. He's always looking for a finish. And I do believe you, a big finish will put him in on, on the title fight, you know. Uh, we'll see, because anything can happen. They For sure, Hamza has the ability to become a big, you know, very, very big guy. So for sure, they're gonna make a big title, a big, like, number one contender fight against Kobe. And meanwhile, you know, Vicente get in a finish, something happened with with, uh, with Leon. you know, he might be a backup fight, he might, I don't know. I do believe he needs a finish, and a finish can put him in a very good good place in the division. And I'll be there, I'm going to Vegas on Thursday night to, to you know, to support Vicente. We get André Fialho, from San me, and then we just got my brother, Angie Lusa, he followed the contender series, he just got signed it. Uh, Zaleski, I don't know what reason he's out of the fight. And uh, my guy Angelusa, he's fighting uh, Lazez. Yeah, Munir Lazez. Munir's Lazez, now, short sure notice. And uh, I'll be there to support these guys. You know, I love these guys. The welterweight gang, we got Luke, Fialho, and Angelusa, all welterweights, all my brothers. You know, I'll be there to support these guys going to Vegas Thursday night.
1: I don't think anybody knew that uh, Angelouza was taking the fight. So I'll be reporting that as soon as we're done this interview. Is that okay with you?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw someone report it. Okay, all right. He he told me yesterday he put in a group chat this morning, but someone just reported a it.
1: Okay, well, they beat me to the punch. See if we—if you called me early for this interview, Gilbert, I might have been able to get in before. Yeah. No, nah, I'm just joking. I'm glad. I'm glad you—you uh, you called me early, and I'm always—I'm uh, always happy to speak with you. So, looking up and down the division now, if Colby and Cumzad uh, are going to fight next, is there anybody that you have your eye on, or are you just hoping to take some time off and recover a little bit?
2: Uh, I still want to fight, but I got to recover. You know, I uh i'm uh I'm very big on sport where you have a fight you know you gotta spar but between fights you know after fights I'm not gonna sport i'm I don't wanna sport for a while right now for sure I'm gonna take two or three weeks off the most and I'm gonna be back in training uh to be honest with you I don't I want a big fight you know I think. Uh, that was two steps back, you know, losing that fight, even the way it was, even people should give me a lot of credit. I think the stocks went up, but another title fight went backwards a little bit, you know, we gotta, I got to get a little bit more fights. And with that being said, I want a big fight, you know, I, I I don't know who, Nate Diaz's name is always on my mind. That, that's a fight, Nate or Nick, that's a, a, a fight that I always wanted to do. But we'll see, you know, we'll see. I think uh maybe Mazdao, then then I'll fight the contenders again, but we'll see. I think I think I earn the spot to get a big fight. You know, I'm just giving opportunity to, to Hamza now. We we had a war. I don't know, I just feel that I that I that the way the fight went is it give me an opportunity to ask for a big fight, you know.
1: Yeah, and not to mention the fact that nobody really wanted to fight, Hamzat. You're risking your number two ranking in one of the toughest divisions in the sport in order to face him. I do think that, especially with the fight that you just delivered, it would be nice for them to reciprocate and give you a big fight. Like you mentioned, I, I like that Masvidal idea. I think that's a fun fight.
2: Me too, me too. And, uh, and uh, because I know I've got to do more fights, you know. I know if we get a win against, I don't know, Let's say Bilal, and then I don't know who's the next guy. I, I know it's going to take a lot, you know, especially Leon is fighting. <clears throat> Leon is fighting tomorrow. Then Hamza is fighting Kobe. Vicente is kind of there already. I'm not fighting Vicente. So it's going to take me a little bit to get back to the title. So <clears throat> I would like to have a big fight in the meantime. And Majidal, Nate Diaz. Uh, I don't know who else. Maybe, maybe Dustin. Those guys who want to come up. I don't know. I just, I, I'm not, I'm not in a hurry because I know how that, how the 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 welterweight division is going on right now. It's going to take a little bit. Kamaro, then Lee, then Hamza. So I'm taking my time a little bit. Got to recover. But the big fights are always welcome. That's that's a thing that I'm looking forward to next.
1: Do you think at some point in his career, Hamzat will be the champion of the welterweight division? Might not be now. Obviously, you've got Usman, is the best pound for pound in the sport. But at, I guess he's, what, 27 years old. At some point in time, do you think we're going to see this guy with the belt around his waist?
2: Maybe. Maybe. It's very hard to say that he will. I think he has the abilities, but so do a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys. So do Kobe, so do Luke, so do Leon. so do me. We'll see. I got a couple more years, you know. I got to see this guy again. Uh, I'm going to see Hamza. I, I I, still have a bucket list in that division. The guys that I need to face. Nate, Majid Hamza, Kobe, Leon, Kumar. I, I got to face these guys again. You know, I don't have a lot of years. I think I do have maybe three, maybe four more years in this sport. But Hamza, now he's just on the top of my list. I need a rematch with Hamza ASAP. But five, maybe... I think maybe we can, we can open in that, that new six rounds, seven rounds fight.
1: Seven rounds, all right. So they're going to they're just change it up. You're going to request. You said you wouldn't give me three, three rounds last time. So yes. you wouldn't give me five rounds. So now yeah. I want seven.
2: Think about five rounds, six rounds of this fight. How fun will it be?
1: <laughs> well, I was... Watching that, fight. you know, at the beginning of the fight, I thought, you know, this would be great if this fight was five rounds. I just don't think it's going to last five rounds. I don't think it's going to last three rounds. But it went the distance, and then I just wanted more. I'm sure everybody wanted more because you, you had started to pick up the momentum at the end of that third round. And I think had that gone a little bit longer, that would have been a real test of Hamzat's will going forward. That would have been, I think, what we would have loved to see, to see just how far you could push this guy and if he would be able to withstand that pushback.
2: Yeah, I would love to go five rounds, but it is what it is. I don't want to take nothing away from the guy who was very, very tough. Uh, but I just think everybody in the UFC can do fifteen minutes. Not a lot of guys can do twenty-five, you know. And uh, I would just would like to do five rounds with that. So giving the courtesy back and let's fight again soon. You know, I know, I know you step up. You're fighting Kobe next, but I want to see how I'm out again.
1: Last question, not really. Uh about you, but your brother Herbert, when's he coming back? What's going on with him?
2: I hopefully soon, brother. guy's in shape now, needs 100% recovery. He already, as he was recovering, he opened up a beautiful gene here. Uh, it's going very good, and now he just needs to get in shape, you know, get get comfortable with these, with the procedure on his knee now with uh, ACL and meniscus, but now he, he got full motion, everything is good. We just gotta put him back in the sport and get back in shape, start training, and then we schedule a fight. I hope he's he's crazy. He was talking about May. I confess him to be a little bit in July. But I hope I hope in July. I think in July he'll be he'll be good to go and I hope July he gets a good opponent and, and put on a show for for the fans. I think July will be a great day
1: for Herbert. Alright Gilbert, well pleasure speaking with you. When that fight first opened, yourself and comes at the lines makers opened it at even money. And it looked more like an even-money fight than you being a 4-1 to one underdog. So put some respect on the name Gilbert Burns. Always appreciate your time and look forward to seeing what's next for you, sir.
2: Thank you. I don't have much brother.
1: Remember the name, but also put, put some respect on the name Bilal Muhammad, as he is in the main event this weekend against Vicente Luque. Now, after this past weekend, probably the fight of the year, in your division, Hamza Shemaev, Gilbert Burns, are you feeling any added pressure to do something spectacular this weekend?
3: Man, honestly, that that fight motivated me so much. Uh, I said it beforehand. I was like, you know, this is like a four way semifinals of March Madness where uh, I got to outperform whatever they did. That was that was such a great fight. Like literally, right after that fight, I, I sat there, went and jogged on the treadmill because of, like it got me so hyped up. Uh, that was uh, that was a great fight, and I think that you know, like you said, now I got to go out there. I gotta I gotta match that performance, outperform them, uh, and steal their shine.
1: Well, so you are putting added pressure on yourself then because that fight is going to be a difficult one to live up to. Uh, before we get into your fight, what did you think of that fight?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I'm definitely putting pressure on myself. You know, when anybody in division fights, you always want to outdo them, obviously. But uh, yeah, it was a great fight. It was one of those things, man. You, I picked Gilbert Burns. And I had so many people coming at me, oh, you're a loser, you're this, you're that. And I'm like, bro, like, you guys are sleeping on him. Uh, I think that it showed a lot from both sides. It showed that how tough... Gilbert is And how real he is And um, It also showed how tough Kamzad is You know He took a couple shots Hard shots From Burns Who puts a lot of people out uh, So you learned a lot From both guys And uh, You know You still have a lot of You have a lot of haters It's crazy how fans Switch so easy It's like Well out is not the, the What we thought he was Blah 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 and I'm like bro Like he fought the number two guy In the world He showed A, a great uh, A fight You know He had a great chin He had great hands He grappled when he had to. Uh, I think that you learned a lot from both these guys, and I think that he's going to learn a lot. He's still a young fighter himself, so to go through a war like that in your fourth or fifth uh, UFC fight, he's going to level up from that one. Uh, But it just gets me excited, man. It gets me excited that uh, these guys are out here putting on shows like that, and it makes me want to level up with them.
1: Yeah, you know, I spoke to Gilbert actually earlier, and I mentioned to him the odds makers for that fight opened at even money. And then by the time it closed, Gilbert was like four to one. Uh, as an underdog, four to one underdog. Uh, and he did not fight like a four to one underdog.
4: (laughs) Yeah, bro.
3: I'm looking at it. Like people are, as I said, people were like, put comes down to such a high pedestal. Like he was a Marvel character. And then now they're like shooting him down. Like, Oh, well, you know, maybe we, we, we hold it back a little bit. I'm like, you guys just put it on way to buy. He's a great fighter. Uh, but he's not a robot. He's not just going to walk through everybody and kill everybody. Like the top five in our division are, are monsters. And, uh, Gilbert showed it uh, in that fight, and he showed how good he really is.
1: Now, you're against Vicente Luque this weekend, and you saw in his last fight, one slip-up, and this guy will get you. That's what happened with Michael Chiesa in the last fight. But I saw you had Gerald Mearshart training with you during this camp. That guy's as good as as anybody. at snatching the neck. Was Were you basically telling him, you know, put me in Dar's chokes, like, try, try to make my life miserable, let's see what happens? Man, like,
3: people go under, I don't know how good Gerald is. Gerald is literally one of the best guys I've ever trained with in my life. And... You know he's so smart. Uh, so yeah, I'm just literally like telling like yo, give me here, give me there, and he gives me all these little tricks and tools. So like to have a guy like that in my back pocket, in my side, whenever I need him. You know he helped me a lot for the Maya fight. Uh, it's it's priceless because I could call him, he'll take that drive down to Chicago, help me out. So it's it's
1: been amazing with him. I saw an interview with Vicente. He did one with Brendan Fitzgerald and talked about your first fight. And he said he's basically thrown that fight entirely out the window. But the one thing he's holding on to is that he knows that he has the power to shut you down if he needs to. Um, do you think that that's bad for him to think about? For him to think that there's going to be any similarity to that first fight?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's a, to me like I don't really think about that fight at all. I get reminded of it daily by by trolls and
5: uh, haters all
3: the time. Uh, so it's, to me, this is a not really a redemption fight for in in that context. It's a redemption fight, and you know. Anything that happens anything any I win a fight I' win a wonder fight and I'll still get people posting the picture of uh, me against Vicente posting that that me posting that and that fuels me that, that makes me want to go harder that makes me want to run that extra mile uh, so like that's the only thing I take out of that fight is just the the, the fuel and the energy and the, the hate the people that that want to see me fail uh, that want to see that happen again that I just want to prove them doubters wrong prove those haters wrong. Uh, you know, he's a finisher in general. I think that he just has a mindset that he can finish anybody and anybody can be finished at, at any point. Uh, so even in my context, I think I can finish him where I land that right punch. You're going to go to sleep, uh, too. So like if he's underestimated me in any way, he's going to be in for a rude
1: awakening. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that first fight was what, four or five years ago. How long ago was that fight? Because since then you guys have both improved miles.
3: Yeah, it, it's been like five years since that fight. And, you know, it's always great when you see somebody that beat you, continue on to win. Uh, you know, we've gone full circle. We were both on a uh, undercard. Uh, that was literally my third fight in the UFC. So to see where we both come from there, it's, you know, I didn't lose to no bum. I didn't get called by a, a scrub. You know, he's a finisher. He's a great fighter. Uh, and now he's number four in the world. And now we're both going around full circle to top contender fight. Uh, in our division, so we're both on the right track we're both doing the right things and it just tells me now that this fight is worth more to me now than it was back then uh, because there's so much riding on this fight so i and when you're thinking about the division and you're looking at the fighters in the division and the like you know I get so much so many haters and stuff like that, but this is my third top five ranked guy that i 'm fighting. I fought four top ten ranked guys in twelve months. I'm out here looking to fight the best of the best, and I I didn't get my my love for beating my, I didn't get my love for beating Wonderboy. Now I'm fighting a guy that knocked me out, a guy that's a finisher, a guy that's number four in the world, a guy that's young. There's no excuses after this fight. There's nothing else you you can deny me after I beat him Saturday.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's why I said at the beginning, forget uh, forget, remember the name, put some respect on the name because you are beating these guys and you're making it look fairly easy. I think the Leon Edwards fight. A lot of people just assess that fight based on the one round that they saw, which I think we've discussed this previously is is ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing. People, people, you you
3: can change the narrative so easily just by the way you talk, and with, even with him, it was like, oh well, you, the rest of the fight was going to go that way. And people are so dumb uh, that they're just going to, oh yeah, you know, what? let me listen to him, let me believe him. And when you look at uh, Aljamain Sterling this weekend, where he had so much hate from that last fight and people are like, Oh, Peter God's going to walk through him. Peter Young's going to kill him. It's going to be the same thing. So it was like motivating to see something like that. When you look at guys like, uh, you know, I really look up to like a guy like Michael Bisping, who's been knocked out. Uh, and he's went back and, you know, he got both those knockouts back against the Luke Rockhold against, uh, uh, Dan Henderson. When, you know, people thought his career was over after that Dan Henderson first knockout. So those little things, uh, it tells me that, you know, Drown out all that noise. I don't care what you think about me. I know what I have in my heart. I know what I have in my head. And uh, I know what I'm capable of.
1: Now, I'm guessing you've spoken to Michael Chiesa about this matchup. You and him, I, I believe, have done the desk together since this matchup was made. Uh, has he spoken to you at all about what his approach was for this one and where he thinks he might have gone wrong? Uh, uh,
3: you no, know, I, I talk to uh, Chiesa a lot, but I'm not one of those guys that I don't, I don't really like to... Uh, especially if a guy's lost to somebody, I don't want to, you know, put it in there. Hey, so did you feel this or that? Like... I think I'm very good at breaking down fighters and breaking down fights myself. Uh and I've showed it my, like my last couple of fights, you know, I felt like those two fight last fights against Maya and Wonderboy that stylistically they were like the hardest kind of matchups in the division and I think we did a great job of breaking them down. So I think with this fight as well, I think we've done a great job of breaking them down with my team, my coaches and then uh I think we got a good game plan for this one.
1: Those guys are specialists, Maya and Wonderboy. Uh, you look at Luke, he's great just about everywhere. Is there something that you see in his game that you feel like you can exploit? Obviously, don't tell me what you believe that would be, but have you guys pinpointed something that you believe is going to be advantageous for you?
3: Uh, yeah, I feel like those last two fighters, you said they're specialists, and I think they were specialists in the ground and specialists on the feet. And uh, Luke is a specialist at both. He's very good at both and very good at finishing at both. So I think those last two fights prepared me for this fight because I put both those two together. Now he has this power and he has that... Um, I just think that it all comes down to he doesn't want it as bad as me. He doesn't want it as, as much as I want it. Uh, beating a guy like him uh, will be my last hurdle uh, before, you know, I think that people finally are like, all right, well, dude, this guy needs a title fight. This guy's at the top of the division. This, you know, they they don't mention my name. They're still not mentioning my name when they're talking about Usman. Uh, after this fight, they are going to mention my name.
1: What do you think is going to happen with the feather? With, sorry, the welterweight division. You got. It looks like Edwards is getting the next shot. So, do you believe that from there it's wide open? We've already heard this talk about Hamza facing Colby next. So, I, I think that a good performance for you, or of course Luke, this weekend, would speak volumes as to perhaps who's after Edwards. If uh, if they are already looking at matching Hamza up with somebody else. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where I think that if Hamza
3: probably uh, would have got a finish last week, they would probably give him the next title shot. But now seeing that it's up in the air, um, I think that it comes down to – I don't really think Kobe's going to take that fight. I mean, when you're looking at Kobe, he's very peculiar who he's picking. He's he's fighting Masvidal off of two losses. He's fighting Woodley off of uh, three losses. The, wh- who's in the top five that he's fighting off of a win? Who's he beating in the top ten that's coming off of a win? He's calling out Dustin Poirier, who's a 55er. So he's sitting there trying to pick a easier fight uh, per se – and then, you know, talk his way to another title fight. I don't really think that he's going to take the uh, Hamza fight. So who knows after this fight if we have to do one more uh, number one contender fight with Mia Hamza. Or I also think that we still don't know how good uh, Usman's hand is. You know, that's a terrible hand injury. We don't know how long it takes for that to fully heal when he's actually back to really punching uh, hard with the hand. Those injuries were, you know, they, they reoccur a
1: lot. So
3: maybe there will be an interim title fight on the line. Who knows?
1: And finally, you're one of the uh, few fighters of the Muslim faith that has been open to fighting during Ramadan. I spoke to Hamza last week, and he said he didn't realize it was Ramadan when he accepted the fight, but he knew it was a big opportunity either way. Uh, and I spoke to Javid Basharat, and I said, you know, he said he was going to take time off for Ramadan. I told him, you know, Bilal Muhammad seems to have a good system down for being able to compete during Ramadan. He goes, I got to call that guy. So tell me about how you uh, are able to balance those two things.
3: Honestly, I tell myself every freaking year, like no more no more uh Ramadan like last year i had to do 4 weeks the full month uh training for the maya fight and it's different cuz you you know you have to cut weight and it's you know Ramadan's such a uh a beautiful time with family and you're having a big dinner at night and your mom's making all this dessert and you like you want it and you can't have it uh because you sit there and have to eat healthier and uh eat smarter because you have to maintain your weight uh, and I tell myself, I'm not going to do it. But then they call me for this fight. And when they call me for a fight, I don't even look at the date. I look at the the name and I look out. I saw a main event and I thought, main event Mohamed. I didn't think, wait, let me check that date. Let me check this info. Let me make sure I don't have nothing going on at that time. And I was like, ah, crap. They called me again. Um, but, yeah, I think <laughs> I think this is my last time for sure. No more uh, shots, Shelby. Don't hit me up no more. Just let me have my month. Uh, but, like I said, going through it before, going through it, it's it's been amazing. It, like I said, spiritually, uh, it just puts everything more in context, makes you more grateful for the month and it makes you just a better person in general, I think, because uh, not only are you fasting from food, you're fasting from a, a lot of the negative things you do in this life and and this and you start realizing that you know you're wasting time with this, you're wasting time with that. And it it really changes you for the better in general. It makes you a better person, and it like purifies your heart. Uh, I feel like, and you know, having a pure heart and a clean heart, uh, fight week is uh, the best thing because you're not stressing about anything, you're not overthinking anything. And I think that uh, in general, it's going to make me a
1: stronger fighter. Best of luck to you this weekend, yourself against uh, Vicente Luque. Big stakes in the welterweight division. And always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you, my brother. He's in the main event this Saturday night against Bilal Muhammad. It's Vicente Luque. And I spoke to Bilal a little bit earlier and asked him, is there a little bit more pressure on you guys, given how good the bout between your good friend Gilbert Burns and Hamza Shimaev was this past weekend?
6: Ah, oh, man, I don't know. I wouldn't say pressure, but definitely motivation. I'm always looking to put on good fights. And, you know, having a main event now is, is going to be awesome. And now after what happened last Saturday... I got to go out there and, and, you know, fight like a fight with everything I got for sure.
1: Another person I spoke to today is Gilbert Burns, who says he's coming down to Vegas to support you. Is he going to be in your corner this weekend?
6: He's not going to be in my corner, but he's definitely going to be here helping me out, you know, and, and and watching the fight. And we, I didn't put him in my corner because I didn't know how it was going to go with the fight and everything. So it's great that he's going to be here and we're definitely going to, you know, work uh, on something maybe he'll go out back in the dressing room to help me warm up, uh, warm up and everything but uh yeah i mean he's gonna be here supporting me he's always has my back and it's gonna be great to have him here
1: i heard you talk to brendan fitzgerald and he asked you the same question is gilbert gonna be there and you said eh, you know gilbert's probably gonna want to rest after his fight but gilbert's a little bit crazy he will probably come down anyways and here he is he's coming down <laughs>
6: Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's awesome to have his support. He's always wants to be around, you know, and help me out. And it's just awesome, for sure.
1: He would like to have a five-round rematch with Hamzat Shemaya. And I spoke to him again earlier today, and he mentioned that. What did you think of the fight? And do you think that you will be seeing a rematch down the road between the two of them?
6: I thought the fight was unbelievable, man. And, and a rematch is a must, you know. It was a great uh, fight, I think, that... A five rounder would be even greater, and it would definitely test both of them. You know, uh, I I know how good Gilbert is, especially in long fights. He has a lot of cardio and, and a lot of will, you know, willpower to go in there and, and, and fight as hard as he can. So I think a five rounder would do him really good, and and we would see would maybe it would change the fight.
1: You've been training mostly in Brasilia for this particular camp. Sometimes you go to Sanford MMA, of course, but you have a young boy, Bento who is uh, almost a year old. How has fatherhood been treating you? And is that why you've been mostly staying in Brasilia for your training camps?
6: Has changed my life and changed it for the better. You know, it, it's just made me even more motivated, more uh, with, with more desire to go out there and, and do the best that I can do in every single fight, in every single training session. So yeah, uh, you know, that's, that's part of me spending more time in Brazil, you know, getting to spend more time with my son. Even though he travels with me whenever I go, he's, he's right here, you know, him and, and my wife, they're here for the fight. So, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just great to have him around.
1: You've mentioned in the lead up to this fight that you're planning on just taking the first fight with Bilal and kind of throwing it out the window and forgetting about what happened in that fight. But is there still a little part of you that believes that you know you have the power to shut him down if needed, given that it has happened in the past?
6: Oh man, you know it's obviously I, I know that I have the power and that that's that's something that definitely got proven the first time. But I gotta connect the shot, you know. I, I believe that I have the power to knock anybody in the division out once I connect. But that's the thing; I must connect. So there's a lot of a lot of things that go before that. You know, I know he's gonna try to grapple or try to you know do something and avoid uh, that striking range wherever I, I have the advantage. So. Yeah, it's it's that's why I choose to forget the fight, the first fight, and just make it a new fight because that's how I fight the best, you know. When I'm under pressure, when I'm under uh, challenge, and and he's a challenging guy, you know. He has improved a lot. He has beaten a lot of tough guys, and that's why I gotta take him really seriously.
1: We know that you're right there in terms of the title picture. You've been a backup to uh, fight for the title. You missed weight, but it was a weird circumstance. You were called about ten days beforehand. I think you you told John Morgan you had to cut around thirty pounds. And I'm sure that the trip from Brasilia to uh, where was that fight, wherever the fight was. I mean, that's a long time. That's a, a long travel. To walk me through the, from when you got the phone call until you went to the scales. Like, how did that whole thing go down?
6: Man, uh, for me, it was just you know, say yes and let's do it and let's try to get there and and fight. I, in my mind, I was gonna fight, so that's that's the mentality I, I had to put on me so that I could train and. You know diet and 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 try to lose as much as weight as i could i thought i was gonna make it to to 170 but unfortunately i I missed by two pounds and it was tough Uh, i was 30 30 pounds over 10 days it's it's something that you know maybe i should have stayed lighter but it's hard you know ever since uh i've been fighting in this division little by little i'm getting heavier and heavier every weight cut a little bit heavier i think it comes with age and I don't know. It's it's just something that now uh, two weeks is, is tougher than it used to be, you know, to cut weight. So it's good to have the training camp and be able to to cut weight uh, with, with plenty of time. That just makes it better. But at that point, I just said, no, I got to be there. I got to be there for the UFC and for the fans. And if I if I have the opportunity, it's a big one, you know, and that's why I took the fight.
1: This division is just so stacked. I'm looking at your resume now and you've Won 10 of your last 11 fights. You look at Leon Edwards. He's on this crazy streak. You've got Hamzat coming up. Kobe Covington's always in the mix. How hard is it to get ground in this division? What are you going to need to do on Saturday for people to talk about Vicente Luque coming out of this weekend? And almost guarantee that you're going to get a title shot sometime soon. Because, again, if, you, if you've won 11 of your last 12 fights against some really tough competition in this division, it's really hard to deny you.
6: Yeah, I mean I gotta go in there and, and fight my fights, you know, the fights that I put on that are uh, you know, exciting and, and and finish and finish my opponents. That's what I do and that's what I'm planning to do every single time I step in the octagon and it's the way I sell my fights. Uh it's my style. That's that's how I sell my fight is by going there and, and being uh the most aggressive fighter there is, the most exciting fighter there is in, in the division, maybe in the UFC. And that's what I'm going to do Saturday. And if I, you know, if everything goes into plan, I definitely get closer to that title. You know, obviously we have uh, a lot of action right now. So I don't know if I'm going to go straight, but I'm going to be close. And if I need one more fight, well, I love fighting. So so let's do it.
1: Well, they call you the silent assassin, although you're a great interview and you like to talk in this regard. But a lot of it is also that you do your talking in the cage. You're not a trash talker. It's not It's not natural to you. But do you feel like had you taken that approach in your career or that fighters that do take that approach, they get fast-tracked a little bit quicker to a title shot? Do you feel like you've kind of missed out in that regard? Because when you fight, people talk about you. You always finish and you're always uh, a dynamic fighter. But then in between fights, people start to forget because you're not out there calling people out.
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, as you said, you know, I'm. I can talk and I I can do interviews and I I love this, you know, even analyze fights. I love analyzing fights, but I don't trash talk and I don't disrespect anybody because, you know, truly, I I respect everybody that does this sport. Everybody that is a, a fighter because I know how much they have to put and how much they have to dedicate to get to this level. So I don't know. There's no way that I could disrespect anybody and it wouldn't look natural, you know. So that's not the path for me. But definitely, my fights, that's the path, you know, showing what I do inside the octagon. And at the end of the day, that's what people want to see. People want to see the fights. Uh, talking is easy, but going in there and, and fighting the way I fight, that's what was the really hard uh, thing to do.
1: And maybe
6: I have to fight more often, and, and that's going to, you know, not let people forget my style.
1: You fought nine times in the last three years. I don't know how much more often you, you expect to fight. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot. <laughs>
6: Yeah, I mean it is a lot, but but this uh, last year I had two fights, and 2020 also two fights. Maybe I could have had one more fight in each year, and that would have been, you know, perfect for me because I, I I like to fight.
1: Well, we like to watch you fight, and we're excited to watch you this weekend against Bilal Muhammad is a fantastic main event, and uh, best of luck to you. I think that with a, a big win for either of you guys, it it really puts you guys in the picture. They're talking about Hamza Shemaev against Colby Covington. And should you guys make a statement on Saturday, I think that'll go a long way. Thank you for doing this, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon.
6: Thank you. Appreciate it. And, you know, April 16, definitely be ready because it's going to be a great fight. As always, every time I step in there, it's going to be a, an aggressive one.
1: Beast Boy is back in action this weekend, taking on Martin Boudet. And when we last spoke in New York... You told me that you like to research your opponents. You like to find the the smallest minutiae about them that you could perhaps use against them or use to your advantage in a fight. So what have you done in terms of your digging on Martin Bude?
7: Man, there wasn't there wasn't a lot on him, to be honest with you. Like uh he not to say he ain't got a lot going on, but he's just, you know, a fighter's fighter. Um uh you know, just looked up what he's brown belt. Uh then him being, you know, in another country that's also a little tougher, you know, to, to get the, get the goons out there to check up on him and whatnot. But, uh, but nah, nothing, 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 uh, nothing crazy. Just seemed like a good dude out there fighting. Um, I can't say he, he beat my friend to get into the UFC. Lorenzo hood was uh, one of the guys I trained with before down in black zillions, you know? So, I mean, other than that, <clears throat> um, you know, he seems like a regular, regular good dude, you know, big guy, <laughs>
1: You don't have anybody in Slovakia that you can rely on to, to
7: find information for you? My my Slovakian uh, connect, the, you know, he got caught up with some things. But no, no, I don't have anybody out that way. Um, I could have got some of my, my homies from Spain to roll up on them, you know, they're a little closer. But no, nah, nobody out that way, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> you were born in Spain. How long
7: did you live there for? I was there for like five, six years, and then um, from there we we moved. We moved around a lot actually in um in Europe because my father was in the Air Force. So um, yeah, I was we were in Spain for a little bit, and then from there bounced to uh to the states and moved around there for a little bit. And then, quote unquote Georgia became my home. We'll say.
1: So is that the place you've lived in the longest in your life? Is in Athens, Georgia.
7: Yeah, I, yeah, I went to mainly through um. Most school there. And, um, I it, yeah, yeah, I'll say I grew up in Georgia, but then, um, uh, Tampa raised me. Tampa made anything that could have happened to me really, Tampa, but oui. we, it, uh, it happened to me to the point to where I had to move back to Georgia after moving to Tampa. Uh, like I got robbed in Tampa. My car got stolen. Like just you, you name it. Tampa did it to me. But um, but yeah, well, um, I'm back in Athens, Georgia now. And uh, it's just going beautiful. My kids are in school there. Uh, I got I got like just family. Everything's there, you know. So uh, it, just, it worked out actually beautifully uh, the way it did.
1: Do you know what I think of when I hear Athens, Georgia? I think of R.E.M. Are you an R.E.M. fan?
7: And REM, b B fifty twos. I mean, shoot you you name it, man. Like, um, they just had a thing at the Georgia Theater down here, uh, reminiscent on like all of Athens music and I had no idea. We we got a lot of little artists, you know, uh that that have popped out now, I wanna say little, excuse me. We got a lot of big artists that have popped out of here, you know, and um and the music scene—I thought it had died down a long time ago, but man, it, it's thriving. Like uh, one of my best friends—they've got a show coming up um, downtown. Like I didn't—I didn't think the whole downtown scene was, was was what it was when I was back there, you know, breakdancing and stuff in the middle of the street, baby. But um, but yeah, no, Athens music scene is starting to pick back up. Well, just to where, uh, besides the—I'll say Athens was doing real good and like the. Um, I don't know what genre it is, but they've they've got like everybody now. Like there's a couple of country singers I've heard coming out of Athens. There's a a couple of uh, rappers now that I've seen and heard coming out of Athens. Like it's it was shocking. It was shocking to know that Athens because back in the day, I'll say it it wasn't as diverse. But now, holy moly, you go downtown, you could pick any spot you want and find whatever kind of music you like.
1: Cool. Yeah, I'd always love to go there. It's kind of a college town, right? It's a smaller town, about 150,000 people Especially live there. If we just
7: won the uh, the national championship football wise. It's definitely turning into the like a uh, even bigger college town than what it was because they're, they're like they're they're diehard here with them with them Bulldogs, man. Who are we like? Uh, either you're a fan or you can get out type thing, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So if you wear like a Georgia texture to one of the barbecues there, you're right, you're gone.
7: Oh yeah, they might they might jump me. They might
1: jump. Well, I was uh, going back to what I talked about before, where you were looking uh, up information on different uh, opponents. What's, like, the weirdest thing you've ever found out about an opponent?
7: Uh, I don't want to put him out there, but um, I found out this guy got, like, a tattoo right before our fight, which was – that's just dumb. Um, One guy, like (laughs) – he had a we- okay, just to- i'll keep it ugh, short the guy ended up having a crazy arrest record for some um for some things that are very frowned upon uh just in everyday life uh that was when like I was like, oh my gosh, I ended up not getting to fight him, which sucked, but if I could have uh, – oh, man, it, it would have took like three refs to get me off of him but to find out what I found out about this guy. But, uh, but yeah, sometimes you don't want to dig too deep because you never know what you might find.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> All uh, these different states, the arrest records are right there. You just look, punch someone's name in and there you go.
7: Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like – it's like, you know, but – um. But, yeah, like, more or less, I try to go after, like, the the mental aspects. Like, you know what I mean? So when, say you're fighting a fighter that's posting stuff, like, oh, I can't take it. Oh, it's so whatever. It's like, "Uh uh-oh, he had a bad day training. What happened? You know what I mean? Like, you know, he's going through something, you know, just mentally. Because this this game is, like, honestly, 90%, man. Um, It's mentally 90%, you know. So, uh, yeah, no, man. uh, Even, like, with with Boudet, I couldn't find nothing. But, yeah, uh, it's... Sometimes you are like, ooh, I shouldn't have dug too deep," but then it's like, "Okay, that gave me motivation to, you know, to go to go hit that bag a little harder."
1: Yeah, I find it very fascinating that you uh you, you like to, I guess, do recon on your opponents. It's very I haven't heard of a lot of uh, fighters talk about this. So, you said you you found out somebody got a tattoo right before your fight. So, why why does that valuable information to you?
7: Well, I kept punching it. I made sure I kept <laughs> punching it. Like he got one on his chest and I know that like you you're sore. Like, you know what I mean? That's a sore spot. Like, why would you get a tattoo really like 48 hours before the fight that to me is either a you you think you're just gonna go out there and knock me out that's what that's saying to me or b you're really just not that bright because tattoos take time to heal you know like we're gonna be wrestling we're gonna be rolling they they specifically tell you like you know hey chill don't do anything you know so to me i was like Man, this guy's either a goofball or he really thinks he's gonna go out there and knock me out. Needless to say, I ended up winning. But, uh, but yeah, man, it, it just it really threw me off that you would get a tattoo forty eight days or forty eight hours before an MMA fight. Maybe you like pain. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Was your goal always to end up in the UFC? Because you talk about having kind of a nomadic lifestyle early in life. Um that kind of translated to your MMA career. You've been traveling everywhere, fighting in all kinds of different promotions. You even fought in bare knuckle. Like you, you've you done it all before ending up in the UFC, but was the UFC ultimately always the goal?
7: It's weird to say, like not just to be completely honest. Um, it was always there because, you know, Hey, you always heard uh, the UFC is the NFL of MMA. So, you know, you always want to compete against the best and fight against the best. <clears throat> Me traveling around and doing all those things, um, I'll say, got me even more ready for these type of situations. Um, but overall, goal I didn't even know I was going to be a fighter. To be honest with you, I was just dancing in a club, and these guys came up on me, and I was like, nah, why not?" Let me go ahead and try it, you know. And then, literally, what three weeks later, I was fighting, <clears throat> fighting Jonathan Ivy on on TV live, you know. So, never, never really. It was never a said goal out loud um what's cool about it now is that it's not a it's gonna sound crazy it's not a it's not my job. I love doing what I'm doing. this is a hobby, and <clears throat> I found out being successful in life you've gotta have three like three different lanes you know if your hobby's not paying for what you um what you want to do, you might wanna you know or i forgot not exactly hobby if what you're doing isn't paying for what you actually love then you might want to look in not look into something else maybe find a different avenue of how how it can happen but i'm blessed to where my hobby is going to be able to take care of what i actually want to do and it's cool like you know what i mean like uh not to say i'm not going to take it serious just because it's a hobby to me i love my hobbies i love playing video games i love you know doing all this thing so i love this sport i love entertaining this gives me that avenue to be able to entertain, to 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 put a smile on somebody's face, I think, is initially while I was put here on this earth, you know. So um, I'm crazy that I found it in the most violent way, but I'm putting smiles on people's faces, you know. So, um, yeah, man, I, I never knew I was going to be a fighter. Glad I am. You know, not gonna not going to sit here and say, oh, this is this is the worst. I don't know why I'm doing this No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm what? 30 fights in. There's no way I wouldn't keep doing it you know but um but yeah no i mean i guess i am a fighter but i've never put myself in that mindset i'm, I'm an entertainer that that just happens to fight
1: well, so back up the train here for a second you were at a dance club people came up and it said you you should be a fighter and that's how you became and then weeks later you were fighting on tv well, tell I- me the story you you, you kind of glossed over it buried the lead here a little bit on me chris
7: yeah, so I was uh, in a dance club uh, in Tampa, actually a club called Peabody's down in Tampa, Florida, and um, I was just in there breakdancing with the crew. Ah, we was getting it. Boom, boom, boom. These guys walked up on me and were like, hey, you were just doing martial arts moves while you are doing that. I was like, oh, shh, don't tell nobody. That's my secret. You know, people think I'm breakdancing. I'm really doing taekwondo. Uh, and he's like, yeah, no, man, we saw that. So. What Like, what what else do you do? I told him, I was like, you know, I wrestled, I did Taekwondo, but, you know, never looked into MMA. They were like, you should come to this fighter trial that we're having tomorrow. My Needless to say, I am, like, you know, we're dancing in the club. I've had a couple of drinks, you know what I mean? So there's no way i'm gonna make it to this fighter trial because it's also two thirty in the morning now we're, you know we're we're finishing up uh dancing and they want me to go to this tryout that's at 6 a.m and i'm like man i ain't gonna make it i'm hung over i still made it i went out there i guess it was one of the best things i've ever done to be honest with you to show up to a, a fighter tryout uh hung i guess and uh i went out there and and, and showed out man um it was crazy because they were worried about me because uh, at first I didn't have any jujitsu. They were like, "All right, we're gonna do the jujitsu portion," and I was like, "What's that?" They go, "Just wrestle really hard," and I said, "Okay, I can do that. I can I can do that all day, you know." Um, but then when it came to the stand up, that everybody there was just in, "Oh wow, how are you doing that, man? You wow!" And then you got to think when I first got to Florida football wise, yeah, I was like three hundred. I was three three something. So they walked up on me like that, you know, and then. I, I technically didn't win the fighter trial. They put me down as the first fighter trial winner, but, you know, uh, exclusive news, I wasn't really the uh, uh, first fighter trial. Julio Gallegos was, but they told me to stay in the gym. They said, we need you to stay in this gym, get better, lose the weight. We're going to put you on a card. Sure enough, lost the weight, and I was fighting Jonathan Ivey. I, I lost the weight in like two and a half weeks, actually, which was crazy too. Uh, but yeah, sure enough, Next thing you know, I'm fighting Jonathan Ivey, yeah, from, from breakdancing in the club to three, to three weeks later on HDNet Live.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. That's a great story. And you, you are still putting smiles on people's faces uh, doing that through martial arts. In fact, your last celebration was so great, and your last knockout, I mean, people said, wow, he can, he can do that. They, they're doing that even now, watching you throw uh, spinning wheel kicks at Madison Square Garden, and uh, it was immortalized in an NFT. Do you have a an, an UFC strike Chris Barnett NFT?
7: Yeah, I saw I saw that uh, some some people tried to sell them to me already, and I was like, N- no, I don't understand it. So when I understand it, maybe I'll buy it from you. But as of right now, no, it just looks cool. It's like a little pink little uh, octagon thing, and then it does a little kick and then a little front flip, and I was like, oh! And he was like, yeah, you can buy it from me. I was like, N- I lived it. I don't I don't know why I would why would I want to I don't like. <laughs> I've got it on YouTube. I recorded it on ESPN. I don't need the NFT thing. I don't know what it does. But yeah, no, I've definitely got to look more into the uh, NFT thing because apparently that's that's the wave. That's the new market. I've had people ask me about the making me an NFT, an MNFT and a dragon and all these other ones. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. Joe Rogan specifically said it during my fight. He's had 17 smart people try to explain it to him and he still doesn't understand it. So therefore, if Joe Rogan doesn't understand it, then hot dang it. I ain't got to understand it either. So until he does, I'm I'm cool. I'm glad. I'm glad they're out there. I'm glad they're out there. I'm glad somebody made me one, but I don't I don't get it. I don't get it.
1: Well, you do get residuals from it. And maybe if you hit those guys up, you'll get a necklace out of the deal. Just say, you know, I want, I want the Beast Boy NFT in necklace form, like, like Israel uh, and uh, the, uh, Francis Ngannou have.
7: Yeah, I saw Ngannou's. Uh, and then okay, that was what was on Izzy's neck then. When I, okay, got gotcha, you, got gotcha, you, got gotcha. That was him knocking out Robert Whitaker too, right? Yeah,
1: I mean that, that's how you get in someone's head. You you wear a necklace of you knocking them out when you're going face to face with them.
7: That's beautiful. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah. I'm wearing the NFT of you getting that. Thick. Wow. woo <laughs> good stuff.
1: All right, Chris. It's good stuff with you. I always appreciate your time. Best of luck this weekend as Martin Boudet, and hope to catch up with you again soon.
7: Awesome, man. Thanks for having me, dude. We'll definitely do this again.
1: Happy to be joined by TJ Laramie. It's good to see your face, TJ. It's been about a year and a half since you last fought in the UFC, and you're also now the proprietor of Laramie contracting and concrete did i get the company name right uh yeah yeah <laughs> how's that treating you how's uh how's the new enterprise been doing
4: uh it did really great the first year i haven't really uh started up this season because i was training for this fight but uh yeah that's uh one benefit i guess to having so much time off is uh i had to get pretty innovative in what uh I wanted to do and make some money, obviously, on the side there, not having fought for a bit. So, yeah, started that up and uh, it had a great first year, and I'm excited to uh, continue that, but more excited for this Saturday. Well,
1: you're getting ahead of the weather. The weather's not good until, you know, about this week. So you're, you're, you're right on schedule uh, with your, with your yeah. fight with uh, Pat Sabatini. Now, I was listening to an interview that you did with James Lynch, and interestingly enough, Gavin Tucker brought you out to Halifax so that you could emulate his opponent, Pat Sabatini. Now, obviously, we know he's no longer facing Pat Sabatini, and you are. So how valuable was that, uh, and quite the coincidence?
4: So it worked out. I mean, honestly, I knew of Pat Sabatini pre, uh, before either of us were in the UFC, actually, because uh, uh, at the time, you know, you obviously look at the other regional champions when you're a regional champion, and kind of, uh, you know what I mean? I always thought that would be a good fight, good matchup. He's a good grappler. I'm a good grappler. Uh, pretty well-rounded, I guess. Um but, yeah, as far as the Gavin Tucker thing goes, he has a he's a really good kickboxer, southpaw, and I was supposed to be fighting Melsic Bagdasarian. We were scheduled again to fight. And uh, so it was like it worked out really great for him and for me to uh, kind of correlate and train together for that camp. Uh, it was actually the first time I met Gavin. He's an amazing guy. He's going to be in my corner for this fight. But just, yeah, I know Pat Sabatini like the back of my hand, man. And I knew it before I even got the the matchup. I It was kind of... I kind of like thought maybe that could happen but I wasn't sure if they would give Sabatini someone else because he's like I'm assuming a lot higher ranked than me. If there there's no really rankings between us but he's 3 and 0 in the UFC. Uh so I expected that but nonetheless I got uh matched up with him and it's a great opportunity and I'm extremely excited cuz I feel like it's an amazing matchup for myself.
1: And it seems like there were a couple things that happened uh, obviously in the last year and a half that have kept you out of action. So what kind of injuries did you sustain uh, in training and otherwise leading up to this fight? So uh when
4: I was training for Damon Jackson originally I had some torn cartilage in my rib there so and him being predominantly a grappler if I can't grapple during training camp I'm not really going I'm not going to go through with that. Uh so pulled out of that one. Then got a fight uh, offer with Melsick there um at the msg card which would have been amazing to fight in front of a crowd like that uh in a place like that but uh like i think it was two and a half or three weeks to go i got this like crazy staph infection uh that ended up being MRSA so i had to get that cut out of my leg and it was my first time ever having something like that so i mean i've been on top of things now and uh honestly as far as matchup goes, as far as timing goes, my mental game, everything, it all worked out for the best because I'm here now. Uh, I'm better everywhere than I was, and uh, I'm excited to uh, to fight, man.
1: Well, I saw you in the corner for Tony's fight. He did a fantastic job in his last fight, and you looked like you were, you were a welterweight. You looked like you were pushing like 180 yeah. pounds. So how big did you get uh, when you weren't training?
4: So the thing is, uh, when I had the... the the MRSA cut out of my leg, I couldn't, it was like in a position where it was like, I couldn't even walk, you know what I mean? Because the rubbing, the friction and stuff. So I couldn't really do much. And I already have pretty bad eating habits as it is. So not being able to exercise on top of having terrible eating habits. um, It was, uh, I probably got close to 185 or around 185. It's like, it's the heaviest I usually get. Now, that's probably where I was in that, that around that fight time. Because it was Christmas right after that, so I definitely got heavier than whatever that picture was. Uh, or that fight time. So, yeah, I had a good weight cut ahead of me, but it's nothing new. I've done it before.
1: And we need to see middleweight Laramie. It's Just like a, what an off-season yeah. picture of you looks like around the holiday season, because I think uh, it would surprise some people. After
4: I went on Saturday, I might just drop that picture for everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should. I think people would be very impressed as to how much you were able to cut down from. So what are you walking around at now? How much do you need to cut for 145?
4: Uh, this morning, I was 158, which is uh, phenomenal for me, especially considering uh, the day I had yesterday. Um, it was a lot of travel and a lot of waiting at the doctors and kind of off schedule a little bit. This is the first time I traveled mid-fight week in years, so... Uh, Like even my PFC fights I was always like hometown stuff and then even when I fought the contender series in UFC I was staying in Vegas at the time So I was a little and obviously every time you have a longer layoff You're always a little bit more worried about your weight, but everything's clicking in. I feel amazing Actually, I feel better today than I did yesterday and I'm lighter so uh, about 12 pounds or so to go I'll have even less tomorrow when I start to cut
1: You mentioned Gavin's gonna be in your corner who else will be in your corner this weekend? So I got Reno, uh,
4: Bill Castro, and then and I got Dante Leon in my corner as well.
1: Yeah, Dante Leon's a very high-level grappler, so he must have come in handy uh, for this particular bout against Sabatini.
4: Yeah, man. It, I've known Dante for years, but uh, I really started working with him between my last fights. Uh, because, uh, well, he's from the area. He's from the county. I'm from Essex County uh and like windsor area uh but he lives in toledo ohio which is only an hour drive away so it works out like this guy i don't think people understand like this guy is literally the best canadian grappler of all time like people don't realize that like as far as accolades go and what he's been able to accomplish who he's beaten he's the best of all time in canada so having that at my disposal and being able to to, uh mix in some rounds with him and get some live goes and stuff all the time, like. I'm there two days a week at least, if not more sometimes. Um, it's been nothing but benefit to me. Um, I, I always I knew my grappling was high level before, but it only got way, way better since training with him. And I think that's a scary thought for
1: a lot of people. You mentioned in your interview with James that Tony might have a fight in May. I, I emailed LFA to see if I could get the scoop on that, but is, th- is that confirmed?
4: Uh, I don't know what I'm allowed to say or what's confirmed <laughs> or not, but uh, he should be fighting in May at some point. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I, they don't have anybody that's uh, on the card listed yet, so I, I thought maybe I'd ask them, and then I could talk to you about it a little bit. But man, he looked fantastic in his last fight. Uh, he's just continued to level up. How soon do you think we'll see him in the UFC?
4: Uh, I think he he's a top three in the world right now. Like people like might think I'm crazy to think that, but he he he'd be dropping everybody at in the top ten at 125. I guarantee that. Like, uh, uh, it's he he's a mo- most talented guy I've ever trained with. So. He's ready whenever, whenever they call
1: him. It reminds me of Chris Hordeski just because he looks so young. Like, he's, he's got that baby face.
4: Yeah, especially, like, uh, yeah, he he's always going to look like that, man. Especially being, especially being small doesn't really help already. Right. He's only, like, 5'2".
1: Well, yeah, even if you look at Hordeski now, he looks young. Uh, do you guys train? Have you guys trained out with him before uh, out of uh, Adrenaline?
4: Uh, yeah, I trained with Hordeski, Hominick, and Stout. Uh, a lot uh, before, uh, Hordecki probably last time. I got some rolls in with him around Christmas time because he, uh, he
1: was in the Windsor area. And I saw you went to Toronto for some of this camp as well. Where were you training? Oh, I went
4: to uh, Niagara top team there. When I had the opponent switch, I was like, oh, okay. So although I know who I'm fighting and everything, I kind of just got to switch up and test my skills against guys that are a little bit more similar to Sabatini. Uh I mean I think Gavin is a, one of the most well rounded uh, people I've ever trained with in my life and uh I think he's an amazing fighter um in all aspects and he, he the preparation we did for that fight was beneficial for either Sabatini or Melsic or whatever. It was cause it was like he wanted me to focus on my game and I wanted him to focus on his game, so it worked out perfect. It doesn't like I'm I'm spending a lot less time focusing on what my opponents are planning on doing and a lot more time focusing on uh what i can accomplish in the cage because that's the only thing we can really control you know um so that was a benefit just training with gavin but uh going up to niagara top team obviously i want to get some good uh more wrestling based workouts in and just uh test my conditioning and stuff there and everything went perfect uh You know, Chris Prickett and Niagara Top Team, they're always welcoming, and it's a great team. They work extremely hard, and I love that grind that they uh, put on there. And, yeah, that's who I was training with uh, up in that area.
1: Yeah, that team is really hot right now. It seems like a lot of people are coming out of Niagara Top Team and going there for for cross-training as well. So uh, definitely in good hands with Chris Prickett and co. Uh, Thank you, TJ. always appreciate your time. Best of luck against uh, Pat Sabatini this weekend, and always a pleasure catching up with you.
4: Thank you. I appreciate the time as well.
1: Pleased to be joined now by Tanner Bozers in the co-main event against Alexander Romanov on April the 23rd. Now, Romanov is a new opponent for you, originally supposed to face Rodrigo Nascimento. When you hear this name, Alexander Romanov, are you aware of who he is and the fact that he's undefeated? Or are you just like, whoever they line up, let's do it.
5: Both. Uh, I know very well who Romanov is. I follow my division really closely, and uh, I, I was aware of Romanov even when he got signed to UFC. So I knew who he was, I'm aware of who he was and that he's undefeated, but it's the same deal, man. Anyone, anywhere, anytime, I don't care.
1: Of course, this guy's more of a wrestling-based fighter, and when you had that bout with Aliro Latifi, you went to the judges, Uh, not the result that really should have taken place, because as I mentioned on social media that night, he had landed one strike in the first round, two of the judges gave him that round. But be that as it may, are you tentative about fighting more wrestling-based fighters like Romanov? I can't
5: be tentative about fighting more wrestling-based fighters, but I can tell you that I know that I can't let it go to the judges because if Romanov gets a takedown, uh, apparently he's going to win that round and probably somehow the other two. So I I got to knock him out, man. That's all there is to it.
1: When I spoke to you before your fight against Ovin St. Preux, you know, I make these TSN edge picks, and I was saying, you know, take ten or inside the distance. I could just tell you had this... Mentality going into that fight where it was like, we cannot let this go into the later rounds or go to a decision. Are you approaching the rest of your fights with that same mentality? It's like kill or be killed?
5: Yeah, I really think I'm going to. I, I am right now, and I did in uh, the last fight too, like you mentioned. But yeah, I can't see it changing right now. You know, not just in UFC, but even before ufc so i won a lot of decisions in my career but they were all like very very clear despite the fact that the latifi one honestly was very clear in my opinion too but i have never won a fight that was really close every time it's been a close fight where it kind of could go either way i never get it so whatever i guess it's about time i learned my lesson and it's easy to say, you know, a, a lot of people like to repeat the uh, the adage, the, don't let it go to the judges. And Sometimes it takes more than 15 minutes to uh, simulated kill somebody who's one of the best fighters in the world. So I can say that, and I can really go for it and try. No saying I'm going to be able to get him out of there before it goes to a uh, decision, but, you know, God damn it, I'm going to go for it.
1: Well, that's, I guess, what my next question would be is, in fights historically – what was the difference between your mentality now and your mentality then? Was it more just like, I just need to be the better fighter on that night, as opposed to this needs to end inside the distance? Because obviously fighters are always looking to get a finish. Uh, you, don't want, you don't get paid by the minute, but what changed about your mentality?
5: Well, the way I fight
1: isn't... Like, I'm not a,
5: a power striker necessarily. You know, I, I've got some, some good knockouts recently, but I need to build throughout the fight and set things up set traps and whittle away at them until i get them where i need them to be to finish them or to win the decision by the end whatever maybe i'm just clearly outlanding them and stuff so i always approached it like hey i got great cardio Uh, i'll fight these guys for 15 minutes and um i got if they go down perfect and if not well everyone's going to know who won but i can't approach it like that anymore i got I got to just turn up the firepower.
1: So again, you, you talk about how you know all of the different fighters in the division. You keep a close eye on them. This is a very different stylistic matchup from the previous two that you had lined up, which was Nascimento who I think while there is a, an element of grappling you need to watch out for with him because of his submission grappling, he primarily is on the feet with, with his fights, at least in the UFC. And then you look at the fight that you had with Pavlovich that was lined up. This guy's more of a power striker. So did you have to change the way that you train dramatically for this particular matchup with Romanov.
5: Yes. Um, Pavlovich was supposed to happen in December and it didn't. So that was different. Um, But I had uh, Nascimento lined up for like a couple months. So I was training for him, which is to say I was just doing my normal thing. I didn't need to change anything or really adapt anything for Nascimento. Um, when he got switched to Romanov, yep, I'm like, okay, uh, Romanov is for sure one of the best wrestlers, maybe grapplers in the division. So I need to bring in some good wrestlers to train with, which I did. And, uh, I've been working on everything we can think of in this, you know, um, few weeks that leading up to the fight.
1: When Nascimento was named as your opponent, you talked about the fact that he had failed drug tests in the past. Um, I guess in the UFC he had a failed test at some point. It reminded me of your first bout against uh, Giacomo Lemos that was lined up for UFC 240 in Edmonton, in your hometown, that fell apart. I think it was like a day or two before the fight. Did you carry some resentment for Nascimento into your training or into that matchup that you would have? Uh, I guess that was channeled from that that previous situation.
5: No, I didn't carry any resentment to Nascimento, but, I mean, it, it's... Isn't it weird? You got Lemos failed that drug test that USADA chose to um, put the res- check the results of the day before frickin' weigh-ins. So that fight gets cancelled one day before weigh-ins. Too late to get anybody else here to fight. So fight's off. And then... Um, Pessoa test positive after I fight him. Didn't matter. Beat him anyway. And Nascimento test positive. What's what's up with these heavyweight Brazilians, man? It's all the fattest, shittiest looking guys just on steroids.
1: Well Felipe Linz, he, he he got through the process. He, he, no, no Felipe
5: issues hey, 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 Felipe <laughs> Linz is a is a really good fighter. He's a good guy. It's this does not I'm not saying anything about Felipe Linz.
1: Linz <laughs> is legit. But you're saying of the three that uh, three of the four. That's not that's not a very good percentage. I think no, right. it's not. A, it's not a good ratio. <laughs> so uh, with Romanov, what do you think is your best path to victory here? Like, I mean, obviously you want to keep it on the feet, but the guy's pretty good on the feet as well. He doesn't have a whole lot of holes in his game.
5: Uh, yeah, no, he's he's good all around. Um, what was your question there? Like, what would you say is your best
1: path to victory? Like, oh you, yeah, you, well,
5: my my path to victory it's striking, obviously grappling with him. Uh, would be what he wants me to do so and he's gonna he's gonna implement that his striking's his striking's okay but uh and he hits hard of course all of us hit hard and and he's gonna be able to land uh strikes because I have to watch out for the takedowns so that allows him to like kind of set up certain things um but my my road to victory obviously is is in that department
1: How's uh, your training partner, KB Buller, doing? I know that in Unified, I think he's 3-0 and since he started fighting in that approach. He had one incident with an illegal knee at uh, UAE Warriors uh, that you could tell really bummed him out when it happened. But uh, I know hmm. he's got another one line, lined up soon. It's nice to see him uh, get back into his winning ways. Is, is his goal ultimately to be back in the UFC uh, in the next year or so? Uh, KB right now has a really,
5: really good mentality, which is he just wants to fight. He wants to fight as much as he can against whoever he can, the best guys they can find. Uh, and I think that's the way. So I'm I'm really happy that he's found that right now. If he ends up back in UFC, I'm sure that would be great, and he would want that. But that is not. He's not. He no longer has a one-track mind. He wants to do it, which is the best. That's the best way to approach it.
1: Well, he's a very cerebral guy. Do you think one of the things that kind of hampered him in the UFC was having too much time to think about his next fight? You, you mentioned him wanting to fight more often. Do you think it's almost better for him to just like, yeah, just keep lining him up because that—that's when he does his best work.
5: Um, I'm not sure if that was a factor or not. Um, this certainly, though, racking up experience and uh, cage time is going to be very beneficial.
1: One subject I've been talking to everybody about this week was the fight between Shamiyev and Burns. Uh, you weren't that hmm. active on social media this past weekend, but I'm hoping you've seen the fight and you can tell me what you thought of it.
5: <sighs> I, I didn't watch it yet. I know it's a, here it's an awesome fight. Uh, I just didn't watch the card this weekend. I was at a friend of mine's comedy show instead.
1: Oh, good. I mentioned that it's, you know, it was a good fight, but I didn't tell you who won, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you've been yes, able to stay no, away. from one yet. You're, you're, you're keeping, you're keeping the PVR, uh, loaded up and, and just staying away from social media. So I'm glad I didn't spoil that for you.
5: Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. <laughs>
1: I always love your time, uh, Tanner. Thank you for doing this. Uh, best of luck in a couple of weeks against uh, Alexander Romanov. Very fun matchup. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon.
5: Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for the time. Take care.
1: Happy to be joined by proper Mike Malad, who made waves this past weekend for his selfless act in the cage after a fantastic win over Mickey Gall, the first person to finish Mickey Gall uh, by a TKO, I believe. Uh, actually, I believe Diego Sanchez might have as well. But in the first round, uh, did an incredible post fight speech where you really uh laid out what your boxing coach Joey Rodriguez and his family were going through uh, This is obviously something you had planned in advance uh to use your platform for how surprised are you at how overwhelming the support has been for this cause since you made that speech
0: yeah it's been it 's been crazy i um when I planned on doing it i hadn 't really told anybody other than my girlfriend and my dad um but uh when I was planning it out, I'm like, well, you know what, if I, if if I don't make a donation, I tell people to donate, we might get like a couple hundred bucks. I'm going to make like a big donation and hope it acts like kind of getting a community together and other people are more likely to jump in on it. So that's why I was like, I'm going to do the, the, the show money, my $10,000. And then my, my plan was like, man, if enough people share it and enough fans care, then maybe we'll get another $10,000 and that'll get, an extra 20 grand for my coach and his family. But by the time I like got out of the cage, we were already at, I think it was like 13,013 minutes. Plus I was given $2,600 in cash walking back from the cage to the backstage. So we were at like 15 grand in 15 minutes basically. So it absolutely obliterated my goals immediately. Um, And it's just gained so much awareness, like, there's still a bunch of donations today. I checked this morning, and it was at, I think, uh, over $112,000. So and it's it's still climbing. We're still getting donations coming in.
1: Yeah, When you made the speech, it was at about $52,000. So it's more than doubled mm-hmm. since you made that speech. Yeah. It must be very incredible and probably overwhelming for the Rodriguez family. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. their daughter's got a long battle ahead of her, but yeah. I'm sure that every cent helps in the, in the American medical system.
0: For sure, yeah. So just like, you know, knowing that that's no longer like, one of the main concerns it's like that's that's the crazy thing about you know it's it's devastating anytime you get horrible news like that but you know having to then worry about potentially going broke trying to fight it in the u.s is is a nightmare right like they have incredible healthcare if you can afford it but if not it's it's you're in a pretty difficult spot right so um now just they're set to to take this thing head on and kick this thing's ass
1: and how did Joey react? Obviously, he didn't know that you were going to do this, but I'm sure you spoke to him soon after you made your speech. What was his reaction?
0: Yeah, we've texted a bit. I'm just kind of giving him his space. You know, I mean, it's like he's, he's definitely definitely uh, happy about that, but not trying to, you know, overwhelm him with with, with uh, questions and, and stuff like that, like trying to give him his space. But uh, he was definitely grateful.
1: You're overwhelming him with donations, which I think is probably a better way to do it at this point in time. Yeah. Well, uh, congratulations on uh, on such a big win uh, over Mickey Gall. Um, what was your preparation like for that particular fight? You came into it totally healthy.
0: I mean, you always have little injuries here and there, and then you know it's a, it's a it was a long camp. I heard about this fight in like the first week of January, and told myself I wouldn't overdo it. And uh, <laughs> I don't feel like I completely overdid it, but I, I was I hit a wall a few weeks out from that fight where I just got got sick and and was just like super rundown and we're like okay you know what let's taper off a little bit earlier than we expected um so by the time i got in the cage i felt absolutely amazing you know just had like those couple weeks for my my body to heal like i was still training hard but not crazy long hours crazy long sessions so um i felt really good my preparation for that fight was the best i've ever had it i spent two weeks in sacramento for that camp two weeks of Basically like a 12-week camp. I spent a couple weeks in SAC. I spent a week in Vegas coaching Jesse Jess, and then uh, my coach, Cruell and was there. So we hit mets a bunch, and I did my strength and conditioning and, and all that stuff in Vegas. So that was like a little bit of a tapering week, a little bit of a lighter week deload, um, just because I didn't have my teams there to train with. But other than that, it was just a lot of a lot of time in the Niagara top team room some time at Alpha Male, uh, training with my coach, Ellen Helmogen. A lot of work one-on-one, more small group sessions with my jiu-jitsu coach, Andre Grimbois. Uh Chris Prickett runs Niagara Top Team. And they've got a bunch of killers, best team in Ontario for sure, one of the best teams in Canada, a uh, bunch of high-level guys to train with. So I was really blessed to to be able to do the majority of this camp back in Canada. Um, you know, so it was, it's, it's, it's wild that now I can come back home and, and train here and get world-class training.
1: Absolutely. You know, I, for those that are in the know of the Canadian scene, that was a pretty all-star corner. I mean, Inn has a, a lot of fighters right now in the UFC. Uh, Diana beats uh, Kyle Nelson, for example. Uh, and then you've got Niagara Top Team, who are one of the the best up-and-coming teams I've seen in Canada in some time. And Danny Castillo from, from Alpha Male, right? So you've got uh, people from all different uh, gyms that are, are really killing it right now.
0: Mm-hmm. That was one thing, you know, not that I was concerned about it because... All the people I'm surrounded by are, are, are great people, but you know it's bringing different kind of coaches together that hadn't worked together. And I usually do my my training in my camps down at Alphamil, but I did most of this one in Canada, so I was wondering, you know, a little bit worried at times, like how is how is it going to be once all these coaches get together? Chris Prickett from Niagara Top Team, who is a two-time Olympic alternate for wrestling, Alan Helmesian, as you as you mentioned, coaches a bunch of UFC fighters, but has coached a ton of kickboxing and Muay Thai world champions. He's one of the cut men for the UFC, like the guy that was fighting inside and out. And then Danny Castillo, like, I don't really need to explain him, you know, who he is. <laughs> like, uh, But I was, you know, I, I had those guys. And then I had my mental coach, Danny Patterson, come out as well. Uh, so, you know, basically like people that di- didn't know each other super well, other than Alan and uh, Prickett. And it was like one of the most fun weeks I've had in such a long time. Like we didn't do anything. We just went like for lunch and every lunch turned into like a three or four hour ordeal or like went for coffee and we'd be at the coffee shop for like two hours. Like just, just hanging out, shooting the shit, telling stories, like making fun of each other. It was just such a good week, and Like we've still got a group chat uh, going on and we're like still talking to each other, still like chirping each other, still having like such a good time. Like we're all looking forward to the next one so much.
1: Well, I am as well. I'm sure all the Canadians are. And you alluded to this when you spoke to Ariel Hawani that, uh, and Dana White mentioned this in the post-fight press conference, that a card in Toronto in the fall is something that they're targeting. Is that the card you have your eye on?
0: Dude, that's that's all I have, I'm i focused on right now. I'm like singularly visioned to the point where it's like, bo- Faber talks about this being like borderline delusional. You know, I'm like, that's 100% what's going to happen. Like there's absolutely no chance I'm, as long as I'm healthy, I'm on this card that it's happening. Like I have to be on the Toronto card, man. Like I can't imagine how um, as amazing as it was to walk, make the walk for my UFC debut. Like I soaked up the walk as much as I could. I took my sweet time. I didn't race to the cage and rush to get in there. I was like, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. I'm going to soak this up. I had my Canadian flag over my, uh, held that up nice and high was playing uh fat lip by some 41 for my walkout song and i'm gonna keep those two things the same walking out to the cage in toronto man have my big canadian flag that's now soaked in my blood and then have fat lip by some 41 blaring on the speakers like i can't wait to hear it and i don't know which arena they'll do i'd imagine it's going to be the Scotiabank center but if it ends up being the sky dome that would be sick too either way I'll, i've 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 spent plenty of time uh, as a, as a fan in both of those arenas, whether it's watching the Leafs, the Blue Jays, going to concerts, like I've been to those arenas, and every time I'm there, I'm like, man, wouldn't this be sick to fight in this arena? I've actually watched UFC uh, 129, I think it was, in uh, in at the at the Skydome, the GSP and Jake Shields card, and that was absolutely amazing. It was like three weeks after I made my pro MMA debut, and I was just sitting there watching like. I'm here as a fan right now, but one day I'm going to be fighting in that cage. Did it last week, so hopefully the next one will be in that same building.
1: Yeah, I covered the, uh, the UFC 129 card as a uh, media member for a radio station, and I just yeah. made sure that I took the time to go all the way up to the top level. Like I just wanted to go to the 500 level and see what it was like from like a bird's eye view from there. But uh, mm-hmm. if they are going to do a card, it'll be at the Scotiabank Center. Dana White hates doing these stadium shows. I don't think... yeah. When was the last time he did a stadium show in North America? It might be that show.
0: Maybe, yeah.
1: (laughs) So he probably won't uh, want to do it there. But I don't know what they're planning on doing because I I don't know if the pay-per-view calendar is filled up or if they're going to do a fight night or what their plan is. But I I think it might end up being a fight night card.
0: I don't care what it is. And if it is a fight (laughs) night card, look at how the fight night card turned out in London. Like, other than UFC 273, that London card was probably the best card of the year, right? Like, that was an absolutely unbelievable card to watch as far as, like, the energy goes. Uh, Danny Castillo was in my corner and he cornered Uh, Corey McKenna who fought on that card and uh, won a fight but lost a decision Um, and just he was telling me about the energy in that arena he's like dude it was we were the second fight of the night and it was absolutely packed Florida was kind of like that like Jacksonville I got in the cage and other than like the first two rows which are always like people trickle like celebrities that trickle in right before the main event it was like it was absolutely packed I I had visualized how the arena would feel fight night and I assumed I'd be early on the card, which I was. I didn't think it would be as packed as, as that, though. So that was a, a nice surprise.
1: Yeah, the Canadian fans always show out. We've had some great fight oh, nights right. here. We had Cerrone versus Gaethje in Ottawa. We had uh, Alvarez mm-hmm. versus Poirier in Calgary on Dana White's birthday. Yeah, yeah, we, there was, we've had some good fight night cards here. So if it is a fight night card, I think it, uh, it'll be a, a banger. And I'm looking forward to seeing you do your thing. Is, is there anybody that you think would be a good match for you uh, at 170 pounds?
0: to be honest, I hadn't looked past Mickey gall at all. Like the guy's tough as hell. Nobody had ever knocked him out. And I was like very focused on stuff, not just winning, but stopping him. I really wanted the stoppage and I was really visualizing the knockout in that fight. Like I thought I could submit him too, had it gone to the ground on my terms, but I really thought I I saw some openings on the feet. And uh, luckily I was able to find that, but I think being so focused on him was a, a major factor in that this week. I haven't, other than like, the Canadian card, I haven't really thought about what the next fight will be. I've just been, uh, last night was like the first night of, of actual sleep I got since the fight. So I kind of just starting to come back to reality now. So we'll start looking for opponents pretty soon.
1: What do you think will be more memorable for you? The walk out to the cage or the walk back to the backstage area? No music playing, but people are handing you money to donate to the cause that you're, uh, you're, you're showing up for. Uh, mm. That must have been surreal as well
0: no kidding man it was it's cool like such different vibes such different feelings like the nerves and tension walking out to a fight like i I oddly normally start feeling more relaxed once we start walking like fight day sometimes it's like you're like sitting at the breakfast table and that's like the worst part of the day at times like that's what it was for me this time that that's when the nerves hit the most when we were about to walk out i felt super calm i felt at home i was just like really thankful for the opportunity and just like something I've been wanting to do for so long. I was like, don't, don't let the, you know, don't let whatever potential pressure you have get, you know, in your head, get to you. Like, this is a cool moment. Soak this up. And, uh, I I forget who I was telling, but that's, uh, that's why I I walk out to to fat lip by some 41. It's like, it reminds me of, of that 13, 14, 15 year old version of me that just like would have done anything to get in that cage. Like, it's not about the money, it's not about the pressure, it's about just your love of the sport. So, the walk out was pretty memorable, but like you said, the walk back was equally memorable in that, like, how gracious and how generous the fans were, like, handing me cash out of their pockets to help a friend of mine, somebody that they don't know. Like, dude, that was pretty special,
1: absolutely. And Dana White, after the fact, saying he's going to donate your show and win uh, money, the equivalent to the charity um are you planning on keeping the 10,000 are you still putting 10,000 down even though Dana White said he'd cover the bill for you
0: he'll cover the bill I'm still going to make a donation um but uh, I'm not going to go 10,000 since he's got that and we're already at um you know we've we've got a lot of money I'm 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 really thankful that everyone's made those donations and and helped this family out as much so I already made a a donation during camp when I I didn't have uh much to give, so I'll, you know, I, I'll, I'll give a, a bigger one now that I've, I've
1: got some cash in my bank. I mean, you toil away on the regional scene for years and years to try to make that first UFC paycheck. And even 10 and 10 is not the most, you know, not the most exceptional pay for a fighter. Obviously, you're going to keep building your way up towards bigger paydays. But uh, yeah, to see Dana White cover the bill, to see Jake Paul donate $10,000, I think was great. Uh, Mickey Gall afterwards linked to uh, the, the fund. It just seems like there's just been such an outpouring. Is there anybody else you want to shout out from the MMA community in particular that uh, has really made a statement since you made that speech?
0: Yeah, huge thanks to those three guys, right? Like Dana White, right off the bat, saying like, "Keep your money, kid. I'm, I'm making this donation." Like he didn't have to do that, right? Like he can he can just say like, "Yeah, good luck. You got lots of exposure. You're you're set." Um, so big thanks to him for that. Um, big thanks to Jake Paul. You know, he's kind of like the you know the heel of the MMA fighting community, but but that's like a huge thing to do. So as far as as far as that goes, I'm a Jake Paul fan. Uh, and then Mickey and I, yeah, we were talking after the flight. I sent him a message. He sent me a message back. We were joking around just like, all right, man, we scrapped it out. Let's be buddies now. So uh, he's like, yeah, actually, I, I want to help your, your coach out and share it. Like, where's the info? So I sent it over to him and he made a donation and told his, you know, quarter of a million followers to to help too. So I'm sure that that helped uh, get a lot more people to, to donate. So very thankful for that.
1: Awesome, Mike. Well, we're thankful to have you representing Canada. I think it's uh, great to see what you did this past week, and we're seeing a new crop of Canadian talent come up. I know T.J. Laramie is competing this weekend. I think you might have trained with him uh, at Niagara yep. Top Team at some point. So it's, it's and Jesse Ronson. And Je- yeah, Jesse Ronson, the body snatcher, is back in action. Uh, so it's it's great to see the Canadians have uh, so much to be uh, grateful for in this sport. And uh, and thank you for the, for of course shining such a positive light on Canada and on the sport. Uh, and I look forward you. to speaking to you again soon.
0: Thank you. Looking forward to talking to you again soon.
1: A massive thank you to all of our guests this week on the TSN MMA Show interview edition. Gilbert Burns, Bilal Muhammad, Vicente Luque, Chris Barnett, TJ Laramie, Tanner Bozer, and Mike Malott. And to you, the listener, for tuning in and hearing interviews with these great athletes week in and week out. Yeah, I know you've stuck around for a while. I mean, what, about an hour and a half? So... I hate to ask a favor of you, but if you can take the time to rate and review the show, it goes a long way, and we always appreciate that. Next week, we've got another great UFC card. This time, a headliner of Jessica Andrade versus Amanda Lemos, and a lot of really good fights on that card. So we'll discuss that next week with some fantastic guests. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you then.
0: Thanks for listening to the TSN
1: MMA Show.
0: For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.